I'm Aaron. This is Polly. Oh, Paul. wait, I did that wrong. Why did I introduce myself as Polly? Yeah, why did you? Why did I don't you know. Call? I guess it's because well, I'm thrown off because it's just us today. I know. It's 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 a very intimate episode. I know. I the kids are out of the house. It's just Aaron <laughs> and myself. <laughs> We're empty nesters today, Paul. <laughs> I know. And I screwed it all up immediately. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Ugh. Poor Paul. Feels Poor weird Paul. even saying Polly. <laughs> <laughs> I just I loved when uh, Matt Sturgis was on. And I was, you know, we were introducing each other and I think, I think we were pre-gaming, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I said, so, you know, I'm Aaron. I, I said, I'll introduce us. I'll say, you know, this is Funny Books there and Polly and uh, you'll introduce yourself and, uh, uh, you know, tell us about, you know, you know, tell us who you are, you know, what you've written, yada, yada. And, you know, you're on Funny Books there and Polly. And he goes, hey, when does she get here? Yeah, meaning Polly, P-O-L-L-Y. And that's always tickled me. (laughs) You know, dear listener, for anyone who who is not a longtime listener, we're actually going to talk about a new project from friend of the podcast, Matt Fraction, Uh um, later on today. And when we say friend of the podcast, if you haven't been a longtime listener, when we first started this podcast, we had a good number of guests. I mean, almost everyone that we wanted to talk to. I think we talked to almost everyone except Brian Michael Bendis and uh-huh. Jeff Johns at the time. Yeah. And we, you know, we talked to Matt Fraction in his uh, Iron Man days. Yeah. And I think Matt, now Lila uh, Sturgis during Fables, maybe? No, it was, he was writing, uh, oh gosh, what was it? It was, uh, um, it, it was, it was post Fables or maybe actually been during Fables or t- towards the end of Fables, but he was writing, um, some post DC event books and I cannot for the life of me, I can visualize it. Yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head, but you know, I mean, it's just funny. You know, I think about back about those times. I'm like, Whoa, we talked to like Jeff Parker multiple times. We didn't even record one of the times we were, I mean, not intentionally. It was back when the mainstream comics writers would actually get on a podcast that wasn't like affiliated you know, yeah. with one of the giant. Well, and you could reach out to things. them directly, right? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. have to work through an agent or through the right. company. And now, you know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, my publisher's only got me talking to these guys. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it got super frustrating trying to book talent. And don't get me wrong, you know, there, you can still get, you know, folks who are just now coming up, but not folks who are affiliated with like Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously those are the two companies largely that we, you know, talk to. I mean, we still we still get guys that we formed relationships with that we bring on from time to time, for instance, Ron Mars. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we love we love Ron Mars. Um, and, you know, I, I chat every now and again in social media with Daryl Gregory still. Um, buddy, Daryl. I love Daryl Gregory. <laughs> we now British, British writer Daryl Gregory. <laughs> He's not British. <laughs> <laughs> he's not but he sounds like he should be <laughs> well but yeah i you know I, I i i have always been tickled by that when does she get here yeah <laughs> when does she get here she never did <laughs> so aaron i have a question for you yes sir very important question who in your house is the first person to turn on the heat oh uh you know it's usually me but it's at the behest of Mrs. Head. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I, I'm usually the one who who does the fiddling with the uh, with the thermostat, but uh, you know it's it's you you know because usually I'll see her just you know bundled up you know and I'm like would you like the heat on you know <laughs> you know like last night you know we're not yet to heat time yet but you know she was freezing last night I'm like I can turn the ceiling fans off oh please. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, get up and turn the ceiling fans off. You know, if you're cold, just do that. But no, you know, she'll sit there. That's not how she'll, it works. She'll just sit there and suffer. I don't understand. <laughs> so in, in our house, I'm the first person to break. Oh, are you? Yeah. Because, well, I you're think the Jen weak has one. decided that like we are in uh, 1932 and need to be super conservative with our finances and uh-huh. not turn the heat on um, because that's how she treats it. That's right. Uh, she's yeah. like, no, just open a window. Or no, no, she said, just, just, no, that, that's in the summer. That's, yeah, that's we'll to turn on the I am also the first person. Keep in mind, yeah. I work from home. Well, um, I will tell time. you, <laughs> Suzanne and I, in terms of, of cooling the house, we, we will both interact with the thermostat. 
Uh, you know, because I, I, I can't bear being hot. I just can't bear. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so last night, you know, we have not turned on the heat yet. Uh Um, and so last night I come into the bedroom and she's fiddling with the shades and the windows. I'm like, Oh, you know, I mean, I haven't been upstairs. I haven't been upstairs most of the day. I've been downstairs just doing stuff and watching TV. So I come upstairs. She's fiddling with the windows and the, I'm like, Oh, she's closing the windows. You know, didn't think anything of it. Right. Close the shades before going to bed. I lie down. I, I pull the blanket up. I get comfortable and I hear something. I'm like, what is that noise? I'm like, <laughs> those are outside noises. Why <laughs> am I hearing outside am, noises inside my house? Why am I hearing outside noises? I'm like, were you trying to be tricky and hide that you were opening the window? She's like, maybe. I'm like, it's going to be 36 degrees tonight, uh-huh. and I sleep on the window side. <laughs> my wife does that, too. She she will absolutely cr- crank open. I mean, like, so wide that a person could easily just step through my window. <laughs> and and she'll and I'm like, honey, it is 30 degrees outside. What are you doing? And yeah, I'm I like, said, you, she was like oh, isn't it great? And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> At three o'clock in the morning, it won't be great. <laughs> yeah, she will completely freeze me out in the bedroom. Yeah. Literally I, and figuratively. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a cooler home. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I, I I tend to keep it. I used to keep it at 68 degrees. I have to, I've come to tolerate a 70 degree temperature home. Uh-huh. Um, just because now I'm home all day and, right. you know, it's it, for the most part. Um, but like, I don't know. I wasn't feeling like I was going to sleep well <laughs> in that 30, 36 degree weather blowing in through the window. Well, and you know, I'm the, like, the gra- I, I, for one, I prefer a cooler room to sleep in. Okay. But there is the, it is so hard to get out of bed in the morning when it is, you know, 30, 40 degrees in your bedroom. That is so, that is so hard to, to, I don't want to leave the warm bed. I'll just pee right here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I have no, and I have no respite, Aaron, because she also opens a window in the bathroom. Oh, Uh, no. Oh, no. That is wrong. (laughs) That's hard wrong. I'm like, this is tile floor. This is going to be cold. Yeah. Well, no. and, I mean, and then you've got to, you know, shed your clothes to hop into a cold shower. Mm-hmm. No, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, thank you. So I'm, now, I'm sitting I, here know, with a towel and a, a, a hoodie on. So, like, I got up at 530 this morning, right, mm-hmm. which is sleeping in for me, by the way. And, you know, I immediately, you know, made myself a cup of coffee, uh, got the dogs up, you know, and, you know, took them into the den with me. And I opened up the back door. Uh, now, of course, it's only 50 here. But, uh, you know, I, I like the fresh air once I've got a bathrobe on or somehow dressed. But the uh, the walking into a cold bathroom, hard no, hard no. Yeah. I mean, what if you've got to, like, you know, do some business in there? No, thank you. No, Agreed. thank you. <laughs> I don't like an open window in a bathroom anyway. I'm like, yeah. I just get self-conscious. Like, what if people can hear the flush in the middle of the night? <laughs> or items dropping into the bowl. Or that, any of that. They know, what, they know what that room is. Your, your, your neighbor got a lot yells of from outside, here. Paul, what did you eat? Ah, stop. Stop. My kid's out here. I mean, not, not in the middle of the night, but you know my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Paul. Yeah. Oof. Oh, Paul. Yeah. Well, Aaron, you know, we we have recently talked about um, the new Apple TV Plus or whatever, Apple TV, whatever the hell the name is. It's it Apple, Apple Plus? Plus? It's Apple, Apple Plus. Okay. Um, the new show Monarch yeah. started this week. Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And I have uh, honestly, I'm though we are actually going to talk about some good comic books today. Um, I'm more excited to talk about this than I am anything else. I, You know, I. uh this week, I said, oh, yeah, Monarch Monarch starts this week. I need to rewatch. Uh, in fact, I, I started watching the first episode, I guess, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it dropped. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think so. Wednesday, and think. so, you know, I, 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 it, the first thing that comes up is a scene with John Goodman, uh, which his character was in, you know, uh, Kong Skull Island. And I was like, you know what? If they're going to call back to John Goodman, I'm going to go back and watch Skull Island real quick. Right. So I, I stop watching Monarch. I, I watch Skull Island. And then I'm like, you know, I, I watch Skull Island. Probably ought to watch Godzilla versus Kong. So I did. And now I'm watching. And then I watched both episodes of Monarch. And now I'm rewatching Godzilla 2014, which will be followed later today 
with Godzilla King of Monsters, just so mm. that I am I am refreshed fully on the entire uh, storyline. Because, you know, all of those movies are in context with each other. Yes. And, and are in scope for legacy. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could, you know, so the three, right? There, there's um, Skull Island. So this takes place definitely between Skull Island and the original Godzilla movie. Actually, yeah. a little bit after. A- after the 2014 yeah, I think it film. Yeah. all takes place before Godzilla versus Kong, I should it, say. I, I do think so. But Kong is in scope because there are images of Kong, mm-hmm. you know, on the, in the in the opening. And, of course, you know, it's in Skull Island. So, yeah. But I think Monarch was definitely more of a thing in Godzilla versus Kong. Right. Than it, than it was in the original Godzilla. And I could be wrong. Well, You've seen it, it more recently than I have. Right. So I, I, I watched it this morning and mm. uh, Monarch is you never really see Monarch. Right. Um, you hear it talked about, um, you know, like uh, the uh, Ken Watanabe's character is. And by the way, can I just say I love that guy? I, oh, I yeah, love him so and everything he's in. Um, but Ken Watanabe's character works for Monarch. And the facility where they had the, you know, other uh, apex predators, you know, uh, uh, you know, dormant was a monarch facility. And then when it hatches, the army comes in and takes over everything. Um, so and I don't know how the how the U.S. military takes over a, a project that's on Japanese soil, but OK. Um, <laughs> um, but. That's all you see of Monarch, right? You just really see two people who work for Monarch in that in that movie. Um, I, 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 but I, I, I think that Skull Island is more uh, is more in scope just because of the William yeah. Randa character. Yeah, very um, much. I would say you. I don't think you again. You don't have to see Godzilla versus Kong, even though Godzilla versus Kong definitely has a lot more of the Monarch mythology yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, but I would say the first two movies, Godzilla and Skull Island, absolutely prerequisites to watching this show. I will tell you, um, I have always enjoyed Skull Island. Um, I, I it does have an ending problem to it, I think, because it just ends. Um, yeah. And, you know, while you get a nice denouement with uh, uh, John C. Riley. Is that his name? Yeah, John C. Riley. You get you get a, a nice denouement with John C. Riley's character in the credits. Um, the film just ends. It's like they ran out of film, you know, <laughs> I mean, it just all of a sudden over. They, they, they really needed to be an additional scene with them reaching the North shore of the Island and getting off. I mean, it just, the the, okay, we're done. <laughs> you know, Samuel L. Jackson's dead. We're, we're done. Yeah. Movie's done. Yeah. I will um, say, um, I forgot what happened to John Goodman in that movie. Yeah. He got eaten. And okay. So that that's one of the things that bugs me about uh, about the opening to Monarch, um, because he gets eaten by one of the skull crawlers. You know, he's 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 standing out there in the middle of this this field and, you know, he kind of has this moment like it's right behind me, isn't it? And, it, it you know, he goes, oh, shit. And he gets eaten alive. And so in and you all watch that on Skull Island. um, and I was like, huh, I wonder. I, so this must be before this scene. And it's like they're completely ignoring it, you know. I, yeah, because I'm like, did he go back to Skull Island? I, th- I thought he yeah. I, I could have sworn he died. Like you you, 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 you just clarified for me. Yeah. I'm like, I thought he died, but maybe he didn't. Maybe he was stuck on the island and this well, came after because this doesn't really fit in the continuity of that movie. And I was wondering, you know, because I watched that scene because I know that John Goodman, you know, had at least has at least one scene in the TV show. I was wondering, well, maybe he somehow survives that. And there's a scene where his camera, it, the flash is still going off in his camera inside the monster's belly. And so you can see it illuminating from the inside and you can hear the whine of the flash. Oh, yeah. But but the monster chomps on him. <laughs> <laughs> and to swallow him. It's not just like he gulps him down and he's Jonah and the whale. It is very much like I have chewed my 10 times and swallowed my, my morsel. Right. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, there's no way in the context of skull Island that John Goodman survived that. Um, and so in the, the opening scene of Monarch legacy of monsters, we see we, we catch a, a scene with John Goodman, you know, at, on the cliffs of the island, throwing his 
you know, recorded data yeah. or actually dropping, sadly, his recorded data into the water. Um, and it, that scene never number one, that scene never happened in Skull Island. And but there more importantly, there is no space for that scene to have occurred in Skull Island. Uh, and that's what annoys me about it. I think they could have done something a little more uh, in in continuity. Mm-hmm. To make that happen, because the whole idea is those data tapes make it back to the mainland and become the uh, the mechanism, the artifact through which the story is being told and linking these stories together. But, you know, as someone who just watched Skull Island, I'm like, T- you show me where he had time to do this. You know, yeah. once the monsters are revealed, show me how he had time to do this. How, show mm-hmm. me how he had time to record all those tapes. And also he is using a camera. That he never had in Skull Island. He had a video camera in Skull Island, and he's operating with a film camera on the on the hmm. beach there. And that just really annoyed me. I'm like, he never had that. And that's the problem with watching Skull Island immediately before watching Monarch. <laughs> right. You know, I will say when I saw Skull Island, I um I left when I saw it in the theaters. I left the theater feeling very underwhelmed. Yeah. I didn't dislike the film, but considering how much I was looking forward to it. Yeah. And the cast in it, after watching it, I was like, it was okay. <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I just didn't really, you know, I, I felt like it was, it had basic issues for me. I, um, I agree. There are problems with the film. I just, on the whole, I kind of like it, you know. Well, uh, I, upon kinda, repeat viewings, I have gained an appreciation for same, it. Same. Now, I will tell I, you I, the Godzilla movie, though. The 2014? The 2014 Godzilla. I felt like a lot of people were hating on it because of how little Godzilla is in it. So yeah, I, for, didn't, I, I didn't for see a film theaters. For a film called Godzilla, there is remarkably little Godzilla in it. There is. Yeah. But I because of everyone disliking it, I didn't actually see it until it was on, you know, streaming or yeah, DVD Max. or Blu-ray or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it for what it was, right? I think yeah. if I had gone in expecting more Godzilla... I would have yeah. been pissed, but I think knowing <laughs> that it was not that kind of film, then I was like, okay, I can appreciate this on its own merits. I like and then Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong is just badass. I, I like uh, Godzilla 2014. I I remember when I saw it um, that they'd made a big deal about Brian Cranston being in it, who was coming who was coming off the success of uh, Breaking Bad at the time, mm-hmm. and everyone made a big deal about Brian Cranston being in it, and then he's in it just a really short amount of time before he, 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 he is killed. And I'm like, you know, don't maybe build your, your, your press campaign on a character. Who's only going to be in the first 25% of the movie. Yeah. You know, that you really, who's got some great scenes. I love Brian Cranston's scenes in the movie, but you know, he, he dies and, and, and rather, you know, quick order. Um, one, I gotta tell you that the thing that, kind of amazes me about all these films is the casting. Like it is really easy to forget that Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson are both in skull Island. That Nick Fury, Loki, Uh Captain Marvel are all in the same movie. Yeah. It's like a, it is. You're exactly right. John C. Riley's uh, he was in guardians of the galaxy. Uh Like they're all Marvel people. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Brian Cranston and, um, Elizabeth Olsen in, Mm -hmm. Godzilla 2014. Well, and Aaron Taylor Johnson, Johnson, Aaron Taylor, something like the guy who played Quicksilver in the yeah. uh, X-Men movies. Yeah. I mean, so the, the casting is, is really, you know, strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so moving on to Monarch, I, number one, you know, this is about the, the 1950s action in Monarch occurs about 20 years prior to Skull Island, mm-hmm. uh, give or take a year. Um, and the guy who's playing William Randa in the fifties is going to age spectacularly badly (laughs) (laughs) when you think of what John Goodman looks like in Skull Island. Um, because, oh my, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's what hard drinking and, uh, you know, chasing, uh, Muda's is, uh, Muto's is, uh, gets you, but who that is, uh, not some aging you've done very well, pal. No, no, I will say. (laughs) <laughs> at least John Goodman looks like John Goodman does now. <laughs> Cause yeah, right. I, you know, he was in that opening sequence. I'm like, look at John Goodman. Like he's, he's running, he's doing yeah. good. Like, I mean, yeah. he, the dude has definitely, um, 
done well for himself, uh-huh. you know, physically. And so I'm yeah. glad for him. But yes, to your point, <laughs> um, you know what the sad thing is, Aaron, until you said it. Uh-huh. You didn't realize that that was the same character. I didn't realize it was the same character. Yeah. Now it yeah. now it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I did not realize that. Duh. <laughs> well, the uh, I, I I'm really enjoying Monarch. Uh, you know, I we watched we watched the first two episodes. I I have one gripe about the show other than the uh the continuity gaffe between the the opening scene with john goodman and what happened in skull island i'll come back to my other grief here in just a moment but i really like the casting overall um to to, to your point about um william randa the uh um the kurt russell character kurt russell Uh wyatt russell yeah that dude aged 50 60 years between when Uh we first meet him Uh and and he looks damn. He looks great. He yeah. looks great. Well, and I don't know if they're doing some kind of digital correction on Kurt Russell, but he looks fantastic. No, I think he just looks like that. I saw. Um, I saw. If you watch, there's um some bonus content. If you watch it on Apple TV, I did not watch that. Uh, it's only like three minutes. Um, but no, that that's Kurt Russell. Well, Unless they looks, did the digital effects on the behind the scenes stuff yeah. too, which no, of course not. Well, he looks fantastic. I, I was just like. Damn, you know, because I saw I guess the last thing I saw him in was when he was the bad guy in Guardians of the Galaxy and he didn't look that good. I mean, he looked good. Kurt Russell always looks good, but he 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 I think he looks better here than he did in uh, uh, Guardians Volume 2. Yeah, that's the Botox. Yeah, it must be. Uh, he looks great. Uh, you know, all that weed he's smoking and, uh, yeah. you know, the 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 the, uh, you know, lifestyle he lives. I He's looking great. He's looking great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the <laughs> I was kind of I really like and I can't remember the character's name, but it's the grandmother character that shows up in the in the 50s portion portion of the show. Yes. Um, I like her a lot and was broken hearted. At the end of episode one, uh, I, I, you know, when she is just, you know, covered in the bugs. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought you I thought you meant the grandmother that was in the uh, uh, the one who was um, Randa's other. Uh, right. No, no. This is uh, Hiroshi's uh, grandmother, I, I think. I yeah, think that's the, the relation. Yeah. And uh, I I really like her. I think she's got a great chemistry with uh, with the young Russell guy. Um, which is, you know, I struggle a little bit because she dies, right? Uh-huh. Um, you know, spoilers, sorry, but Aaron already spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little confused as to, cause I guess she had, so Anna Sawai is the actress's name. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I was just, cause she dies, but like, I guess it was in 1959. So they were able to have Hiroshi um yeah sometime in that time period yeah she and she and william randa apparently you know get together at some point we're gonna see she's not out of the show she's just we know how how her character ends uh the rest of it will all be you know uh flashbacks Mm. and that's that's the story device that this that that the show is is telling us there is the current action the show which is, I think, 2015. It's a year after yeah. what they refer to as G-Day, uh, where Godzilla shows up in San Francisco. Um, so there's that. And and then you've got what's happening in the 50s, which gives us young William Randa, who is the character that we met in Skull Island, played by John Goodman. We've got, uh, and I can't remember the Kurt Russell character's name. Uh, Lee Shaw. Yeah, Lee, Lee Lafayette Shaw. Lee Lafayette Shaw. <laughs> Lieutenant. Uh, maybe I have that character's name because I think Kate may actually be the daughter that we're introduced to in the present. That's correct. Kate is is uh, Hiroshi's daughter. daughter. And then uh, I forget the son's name. The uh, son's name is. All right. So Hiroshi and is the father of Kate and Kentaro. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, you know, so one of the things we find out is that Hiroshi, who is apparently a secret employee of Monarch, uh, has two families. He's got his family in San Francisco and he's got his family in Tokyo. Right. They are unaware of each other. 
until he goes missing and uh, Kate, his daughter, finds adult daughter, by the way, uh, finds that, you know, finds some keys that indicate that he's owns property in Tokyo. And so she uses, goes, flies to Tokyo, opens up the door that the key connects to, and it is the home of his Tokyo family. I, I, I thought that was a really nice way into the story. Um, though his, though the, his Tokyo wife is a little bit more chill than you would expect. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of amused by that. And so here's the thing that, that annoys me about the show is that we kind of have a Scooby gang that has developed. Uh, I, I do not care for the youth of, uh, you know, Kentaro and is it may, uh, who is the computer genius. And then also Kate and Kate seems older than, than the other two. Yeah. Uh, And, and Kate doesn't bother me at all. I like Kate a lot. Um, but the the two youngsters, like, you know, the young computer hacker who's able to break all the encryption and yada, yada. It just feels a little annoying uh, having these. And I understand it's just kind of our gateway into the storytelling. But I, I find it a little. Annoying. Well, and, you know, May, I was watching. I'm like, May, why does she look so damn familiar? Uh-huh. Why does she look so damn familiar? And I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching. And I realized that that is the girl who plays Iris. Iris in um oh in the, the Flash movie, movie and Justice League yeah she did look familiar I did not catch that but yeah that's a good that's a good call well I I despite that I sure am enjoying the storytelling I um, I will tell you I really genuinely enjoy this show in yeah. you know in the two episodes I was like this is great and I love that you know it's one you could, if I if you it's been a while since I've read anything written by Matt Fraction, uh-huh. but knowing his involvement, yeah, I can see it. Um, I, you know, I love the way that it, ba- you know, it, it does bounce back and forth between history, you know, between the the fifties and and you know, quote unquote modern day, you know, twenty fourteen, give or take, um, twenty fifteen. But I didn't feel lost at any point. I think the the um, secrecy, you know, and the mythology of Monarch is pretty straightforward to me. I don't feel confused yeah. about it. I don't either. It, it has a very, I was watching it. And I'm like, this feels very much like a modern take on an X files yeah. type show. Uh, very much, um, very much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Monarch is a multinational secret organization to, you know, uh, m- monitor for the, uh, Mutos, which is, uh, massive unidentified Under- trust. Terrestrial organism, I think. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And I, I think this is this is a really nice way to tell that mythology. And I'll tell you, you know, a lot of times I don't care for the back and forth nature of of the storytelling. You know, we're going to jump back to the 50s. Now we're back to the, we're back to the 2015. Generally, I, I, I struggle with that. And I think you've got to be very adept at your storytelling, both visually and narratively to be effective at that. And I think mm-hmm. uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters is super effective at it. Um, because at, the nice thing is, is that both of those, uh, time frames are very distinct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're never going, where are we again? <laughs> you know? Um, and I also say one of the things I like about the show while I'm complimenting the visuals on it, you know, there's stuff that happens at night here and you can see what's going on. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I am well, so in no rain. It's, it's all yeah. in broad, in broad daylight or night, but not yeah. a lot of rain. Yeah. And you can I mean, you can see what's going on. And there are some nice creature effects occurring in this show. Uh, I'm going to compare and contrast with another show I started watching this week, which is the new uh, um, show Lawmen Bass Reeves uh, on Paramount. Oh, yeah. Plus. How is that? I like it, um, but it could benefit uh, from some good back and forth storytelling because they're mm. telling it. They're telling the story linearly. Which is a problem for me because when I tune in to watch Lawman Bass Reeves, that's what I want to see. Yeah. I, I don't want to see the secret origin of, of Lawman Bass Reeves. I don't want to know about I don't I don't want to see in real time his experience as a slave. 
right? Mm. And, you know, fighting in the in the Civil War and whatnot. What I wouldn't mind is telling me a lawman Bass Reeves story uh, and then flashing back to key moments of his past. But that's not what they're doing. Um, you know, Taylor Sheridan is very much a linear storytelling guy. And and yeah. uh, and usually I appreciate that. But you're, he's this needed to start in media res with him as the lawman. I want to see him doing cool shit as a Texas Ranger. Right. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, as a U.S. Marshal. Um, and we haven't gotten there yet. In fact, l- there is very little cool stuff that happens in uh, in the first episode of Bass Reeves. It's a good show. They're just not showing me what I showed up for. Yeah. Um, and and so I'm, I'm eager to see that. And keep in mind, for those of you who aren't familiar, Bass Reeves is the real life person on whom the legend of the Lone, Lone Ranger was based on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, of course, they made some changes. The Lone Ranger wasn't black. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th- this is where those elements came from. Um, and I am super excited about it. I, I, I just I, I, yeah, I, I was excited for it, but I think I'm going to wait a little bit on it. Um, I would. To, I think to, there's to, only. Two episodes out so far, okay. uh, but I I, I I I probably will uh, wait until you know we get deeper in, so I can just kind of binge on it. But yeah, well, uh, I just finished Fall of the House of Usher, which was would, excellent. Yeah, highly recommended. It gets a little preachy at the end, mm-hmm. um, but it's still stuck the landing. Cool. And if if you watch it, you'll you'll see what I mean. But it is very much um, worth watching, and the cast is excellent. And Bruce Greenwood, who I, I am, I'm a big group Bruce Greenwood fan. Yeah, I like Bruce just Greenwood. Just carries that show so well. Him and Carla Gugino just he's, are He's excellent. got a lot of nice gravitas to him. He does. You know? And he's, you know, he's plays this, you know, he, he's the, uh, you know, paternal head of this yeah. family the, that's, you the know. The patriarch. The patriarch. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> the patriarch of, of, you know, this, the Usher family. And it's it has a very strong succession vibe. And I know you didn't watch Succession, but I, I really recommend Fall of House of Usher. But Aaron, I am. Very looking forward to December 15th, because that is when Reacher comes back on Prime Video. Unfortunately, it will be released weekly, unlike the first season. They're going to release two episodes and then weekly thereafter. Mother cluckers. Bastards. (laughs) Yeah. Because I am very, you know, to your point about, you know, hey, you get to the action. Reacher, I feel like we're going to get some action. Well, you know, when you're when all of these shows are 10 episode shows. Mm. I, I don't I don't delay me seeing the cool stuff. Right? Yeah. Uh, let's let's just go. Let's just cut right to it. Show me the cool stuff. That's what I want to see. Well, and to our point about Monarch, that's one of the things I appreciated about it is that even though, yes, it is. It's a TV show, uh-huh. a t- TV show with with cinematic budget. It's directed by Matt oh. Shack. I, I noticed the first two episodes were directed by Matt Shackman, who's directing the Fantastic Four movie yeah. also, you know, did WandaVision and some well, other Marvel products. and was going to do a uh, Star Trek. Yeah, uh, that's right. He was. But, you know, <laughs> when when all of that fell apart, he he moved on to be attached to the Fantastic Four uh, film. Uh, I, I, I think Shackman's a great director. Uh, yeah, he actually does a great job. And, you know, there is enough monster action for a TV show, at least, uh-huh. you know, I like, and, and the, the effects were not skimped out on. Godzilla no, it looks it, like the movie Godzilla and nor the cinematography. I mean, it looks mm-hmm. like a movie. Um, it looks like a, a movie, you know, I mean, yeah. you yeah, there, I was watching, uh, some of the, I was really kind of taking apart some of the shots and just the placement of the camera and the scope, uh, were very cinematic in nature. And, you know, you don't get that on like your regular, you know, weekly television show. Uh, this is really nice. But, you know, it goes to my point. I think I've made this previously that all the sh- original programming on Apple Plus is fan fucking tastic. You know, I think part of it is that it is not, you know, I, and I was thinking about the special effects in comparison with like Ahsoka uh-huh. or the recent Marvel shows. And don't get me wrong. We really enjoyed Ahsoka. We did a whole season yeah. of showing, you know, we, we talked about every episode of that show. Um, I feel like other studios, specifically Disney, could learn a lot by saying, do a little less, uh-huh. spend a little more on the yeah. product that we can produce. Because if you had less programming, I mean, Monarch truly feels like, you know, like you said, like they didn't skimp on anything. The cinematography is yeah. great. I don't feel like we're looking at a ton of like, even of course, it's green screen. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like the volume. It doesn't well, feel like they, you know. 
And, you know, there's that scene in episode two or that segment in episode two where they find uh, the USS Lawrence, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there in the valley. Like, how the hell did a a, World War II battleship get here to this landlocked valley? (laughs) Um, None of that looked CGI. None of that looked in the volume. And it was fantastic. I had a real sense of space. Uh, in all of those elements from them entering, exploring, running the hell out of there, all of that worked really well. And let's talk about the sound engineering. Yeah. Because when the monster shows up, I mean, it had me jumping out of my chair. Uh, I, the, I, I feel like the sound design is spectacular uh, in, this, in this show. I mean, just everything is really performing in terms of Monarch. And, you know, I, I'll just go, step back a second and say one more time, Apple Plus is doing a phenomenal job with really everything that I watch there. Foundation, uh, For All Mankind. Uh, the They advertised For All Mankind before this, and I'm like, ooh, that actually looks interesting. For I haven't seen Man- it yet. Uh, Ronald Moore uh, joint. Uh, oh. You know, he, uh, you know, he, he is, of course, the guy who retooled Battlestar Galactica. He's the guy who mm-hmm. did Outlander, uh, did a whole bunch of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek The Next Generation. He is a fantastic storyteller. And For All Mankind is one of my favorite things on television right now. I mm-hmm. absolutely love For All Mankind. And it's in its fourth season. And that demonstrates the next thing I'll say about Apple Plus is, you know, of all the streamers who post writer and actor strike are saying, you know, we're going to, we're going to do a little less original programming and we're going to hike our prices. Uh, I haven't heard Apple plus say a thing about stepping away from their projects. No. And one of the things I appreciate is that it seems like they see their shows to completion. Uh huh. Right. And that we, in addition to, Ted Lasso. Ted, uh-huh. I mean, Ted Lasso, you know, was a phenomenon, but you know, we got all three seasons, but we also, you know, M night Shyamalan had a show on there called servant. I think it was four seasons, but they told the full story. Yeah. Right? None of these shows were, you know, like they, they, it feels like they were committed to the artistic vision of let's going to, we're going to see the story out. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. Now I do wish their movies were better, <laughs> um, but their TV shows are great because they, yeah. they, they produce a cut. Well, let me clarify. They have some upcoming movies. You know, they're they're producing Napoleon. They're mm. producing um, Killers of the Flower Moon. So I feel like that stuff, yeah, that that stuff will be fantastic. But some yeah. of their their previous movies have been a little not great. Um, yeah. You know, they produced that uh, that Chris Evans, um, Ana de Armas movie, Ghosted, and some other stuff. Just not not le- not particularly enjoyable. I legit don't think I've watched an Apple original film. Um, I think everything I've watched is is uh, uh, original series. Now, of course, now I'm looking at some of their previous films. I kind of take it back. I haven't seen Finch, <laughs> Finch with the uh, Tom Hanks robot movie. Um, but they did produce the Denzel Washington Macbeth movie, which mm. I think won Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tetris movie, which I still haven't seen. So, I mean, they, Apple TV, I guess, to, to, to the point, Apple TV has product worth watching. Yeah. Um, and so... I, I and Monarch is just fantastic. I am very much looking forward to uh, to seeing the rest of the series. I, yeah. I'm on board. And now exactly. I don't know that we're gonna. I mean, we spent almost an hour talking about the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that we're gonna. So we're not gonna have Monarch with Aaron and Polly for the next six weeks. You know, but uh, we will know. certainly be talking about it. You don't know. It could happen. It could. It could. <laughs> well, um, in the comics world, Aaron, there was some big news this week, and. I found out about it because my Comixology app told me, hey, bitches, we're going away. Your comics are now going to be in Kindle starting in December. So I got a uh, question uh, for you, Paul. Yes. Um, you have been uh, a member of the secret cabal of Comixology feedback people. Yes. Right. Um, was there any mention of this in your uh, your uh, secret conversations? Not to my not no, and I will say I have I, I certainly I'm good full disclosure. It's not like I was the most responsive or engaged uh-huh. member of that um, organization. I just supplied feedback that you know I've supplied publicly here on this podcast. Um, but to my knowledge, at least unless I missed something, I there was nothing that said hey you know effective December fourth, which you know like is what is what is the actual date. Comicsology is going away. Yeah. It makes sense. 
but I don't love it. And, um, you know, so I, I did read my comics in Kindle. I did, too. And and I'll tell you, it's the same reading experience for what it's worth. And uh, if you filter your library to comics, it very much looks the same also. So I, it's not the reading experience that changes, but I just it makes me sad. It does. <laughs> I, I, I uh, what I dislike about it. I mean, because I, I completely get it from the Amazon perspective. And really, this is kind of what we expected was going to happen. Right. I mean, we thought that. Uh, when Amazon started making their changes a year or so ago, that they would likely, you know, lean more heavily into Kindle because that is their flagship reading app. Um, and, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to point people that way. I, it's just another example of how Amazon really doesn't care <laughs> mm-hmm. about uh, their uh, their customer preference. Yeah. Uh, and. I would have preferred to have the choice because um, I one of the things that I find frustrating about it is because I mean, and, and Comixology says this in a very cavalier manner uh, in their communications. Yeah, you'll have to redownload all your stuff. Yeah, there is that's that. a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And, you know, if you're somebody like me who has thousands of titles, um, I've got stuff that I downloaded months and months and months ago. That I'm going to get to at some point, but now that I'm, it is, you know, it's still out there in the cloud for me, but I've got to remember to go Mm -hmm. and get it because, you know, the way I remember to read it is it's actually saved, downloaded to my tablet. Yeah. And it just, I I find that super frustrating um, because this is not the first time Comixology has made me re-download every fucking thing. Um, There is that. Yeah, and I'm, when they when they did the the last big update to Comixology, that happened, um, and I, I just I it it just shows that they just don't really care ultimately about their customer preference. They're going to drive you to the thing that they want you to utilize, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that they waited to do that until they had fixed all the bugs or most I do of too. the bugs. Yeah, um, so I appreciate that part of it. I just you know. I, I just I, I feel like there's something to be said for letting your customer have choices. Uh, and, you know, once again, they've taken the choice away from me. Yeah. And that's what I find frustrating. Now, I'm not going to Andrew this and just walk away. Uh, I like I likes my comics too much and I enjoy my digital reading in a guided view format. I don't like reading yeah. PDFs uh, and PDF the guided comics. view. All that stuff's the same. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like we lost anything. And and this does offer in-app borrowing. So if you're a Comixology Unlimited member, you can literally just like. And that was that was the same. You could do that through the Comixology app. It looks like all the functionality that was present in Comixology is present here in the Kindle app. That's great. Um, I will say I'm struggling a little bit with the search function. Um, you know, yeah. searching my library. Uh, and I don't know if that's just, I haven't figured out how Kindle does it yet. Cause I don't read a lot in Kindle up until now. Um, you know, I'll read the occasional book there, but you know, I, it's just not how I interact with media. And so now it's making me do that. Um, but anyway, I, you know, I, I'm frustrated by it, but it's not a uh, deal breaker for me. Agreed. You know, it's one of the things that I do miss is that, you know, there there is a grid view and a list view of your comic uh-huh. books. Yeah. The grid view is normally how I how I sort through my comics. I don't know. It's just a preference. Yeah. But in Comixology, it shows what book it is. So it'll show the, t- the cover of the book uh-huh. and it'll show the title and the issue uh-huh. that in the Kindle app, it just shows the cover of the book. You and can. I don't also... know. That's a small thing, but yeah. it, but I, I, I kind of preferred the the original view. Same. And in Comixology, you could, you know, uh, zoom in and zoom out on your grid. You know, you can mm-hmm. make it, you know, a, a you know seven across or a three across. You know, you can you can you could size it uh, however you wanted to do, which is important for me because that's how I I screenshot the books that I buy on Wednesday and send it to the guys so that they know what I'm reading this week. And I I have not been able to get my uh, screen to zoom. On, on the uh, library grid. So yeah. Mm. That's uh, that's irritating. Yeah. But, you know, more but to come. It's I minor. mean, for what it's worth, the comic is the same reading experience. Yes, and it's it honestly the same reading experience it always has been, even in Kindle, even in comics, right. even when Comixology was its own separate thing. Agreed. Agreed. It's the same reading experience. It's, yeah. it's honestly just the 
I miss the ability to purchase to do in-app purchasing. Same. And um, I something. And it's funny because it's been so long. I I forgot what I liked about the interface uh-huh. that changed when Amazon bought it. Uh-huh. it. It's been that long, but I I, re- I do recall that I preferred the prior interface. Yeah, I I did enjoy the in-app purchasing, and I do mm. have some concerns. I, I hope the way I get to the comic purchasing page is I go to comicsology.com and yeah. that redirects to you know the 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 main page for digital comics and I hope they don't do away with that. I don't see any reason why they would um cuz it doesn't it lets people find it. It doesn't actually drive the reading experience cuz it's still going to go to your Kindle app. Yeah. Um so I hope they don't change that cuz I really like how easy it is to just punch in comicsology and you're there. Yeah, because I find that trying to get at it from amazon.com is it's a pain in the ass. It's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's a huge pain in the ass. Um, <coughs> I miss, you know, Comixology had back when it was straight up Comixology before all the big changes had a much better uh, search function or, or you know a discovery function to find uh, new comics from smaller publishers. Like it is a struggle for me every week to find what AWA Publishing uh, is putting out. Oh yeah. Um, I gather that when you're you know, on the new comics page and you can sort by publisher, that the publishers that are listed there are publishers who pay for placement. Um, I, that's what I, that's what I assume they do because not all publishers are represented there. And so I, my initial thought was, well, it must be they don't have a lot of books that week. But even publishers who have a lot of books in a given week won't show up on the sort by publisher. And so, you know, because there are books from AWA that I am reading and I do not do the subscription thing because it'll just pull it and you'll know, pay for it without you getting to take a look at it. Um, you know, and I, I've been a, a comic book reader long enough to know that sometimes they swap artists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I always like to look at them before I buy. I don't like it just auto populating to my library. Um, it's a huge pain in the ass. And I frequently miss stuff from the smaller publishers that I read. Oh, yeah. Same. You know, I mean, you know, things like Canary or yeah. even honestly, some of the Comixology Unlimited yep. specific titles Absolutely. are hard to find. Yeah. Right. So not yeah. just AWA, but we do like and, you know, we're going to talk about some books here that are outside of the DC Marvel, um, you know, yeah. outside of DC Marvel. We're going to talk about some books today, uh, including a, a new image book, which I mean, image is relatively easy to find, at least. But it's yeah. You know, um, but yeah, some of those like AWA, you know, some of those you certainly. Yeah. But uh, I picked up a a new book from Image Comics written by James Tinian, the fourth with art by Joshua Hickson and Hassan Atzmain Elhow. I hope I probably pronounced that horribly, but it's called The Deviant, A Christmas Story. And um, it has this creepy Santa on the cover. And they said and it was like a, a Christmas horror story. And I'm like, okay. I like James Tinian the fourth. Let me give this book a shot. I, I you know, that, that I didn't even look at the preview pages or anything like that. I just went for it. I'm like, eh, why not? Like it was outside of it, a relatively slow week for me in comics. Um, and Aaron, I really, really dug the hell out of this book. You know, first, first off, uh, let me just say, I believe you're pronouncing the, the title wrong. I believe it's pronounced the deviant. Oh, the deviant. Yeah. The deviant, you know, just like the USS defiant. Uh, it is the deviant because of the little I. Well, I'm just saying that's that's how I believe it's pronounced, because otherwise, uh, wouldn't it be the defiant, the USS defiant? So I'm just saying, <laughs> how do you spell deviant? Isn't that how you spell deviant? <laughs> that, is, that is how you spell deviant. I'm just saying that the pronunciation <laughs> is deviant. <laughs> <laughs> you could be right based on the uh, I don't know. I feel like it's the deviant anyway. <laughs> There's a so, lot going on in the pages of this book. And first, let me just say the art in the book is fantastic. Oh, yeah. uh, Joshua Hickson is just drawing his ass off. Uh, a very just, Francesco Francovia vibe. Very, very. And, you know, there there is such a delightful mix of holiday cheer and horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really enjoy the the the. Uh, the contrast between those two styles. Um, 
I also very much enjoy, <laughs> you know, we, we see a lot in TV today that, you know, in, in stories, you know, like, hey, I'm I'm researching this for my podcast. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there's even a line in uh, uh, this week's episodes of of uh, Monarch, you know, everybody's got a podcast. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> um, and I, I just I'm always tickled by that. Um the bad guy, you know, he's uh, our main character is interviewing a serial killer, a mm-hmm. convicted serial killer. Uh, and he's like, so you're doing this for your podcast? He's no, no, I'm doing it for, you know, a comic book, <laughs> 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 which I just chuckled at. And I just I, I thought it was great. But the the imagery in the book, particularly the horrific imagery in the book is just awful <laughs> oh it I mean, is you know when you see the victims it's like watching seven all over again it is uh it is quite gruesome and wonderful <laughs> uh i the what i am interested in is the uh story the, you know there, there's there's two stories there is the story of this monster uh this you know, villain, the serial killer, the slasher, whatever you want to call him, uh, that you think the title, the deviant applies to, mm-hmm. but it could also apply to the story of a gay man, uh, who is, you know, coming to terms with, with his place in the world and how people regard him and other gay people. And maybe perhaps He's the deviant in his mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's the, the, I, it's that, that that interesting, you know, contrast between those two story elements, and I'm just fascinated by it. Um, I, I just, I, I think that the the storytelling here is spectacular and thought provoking. Uh, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm very much getting a kick out of this, and I, I cannot wait for issue two. And it's, this is a big book; it's like 50 pages. Yeah, it was 50 pages. I was shocked, yeah. but you know, it is. It's excellent. And and this yeah. and you know, going back to the art um by Joshua Hickson, so cinematic. Yeah. You know, the, the the first page is told in these like widescreen panels, like you're watching a TV show or a movie. Yeah. You know, with the giant letter Chicago, December twenty twenty three. You know, and it kind of goes through the city and shows the Christmas decorations. And it's just it is so cinematic in its storytelling. And you know, the the full page spreads of of horrific things <laughs> throughout the book yeah. or, or the double page spread of the first reveal yeah. of the evil Santa Claus character. The book is truly um, just masterful comic horror storytelling. And yeah. I am very excited to see where the storyline goes. Well, We've had a lot of good horror comics lately, but this one got the vibe so right, especially with the Christmas element to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, the image of the Santa slayer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, of him walking around with the bloody hatchet yeah. <laughs> is just, Oh dear. After oh, killing the boys in the shack uh-huh. or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. It's, it's, it is a, I will tell you, you know, don't get me wrong. It, the book is not for the light of heart. If you are just a toe in the water kind of horror person, not for you. Yeah. Um, it is, it is truly, you know, your, your, your dark foreboding horror type story. Um, and just, if you're into movies, you know, kind of the elevated horror type movies that they've been releasing in recent years from a 24, like the witch or midsummer or something like that. Yeah. This is up your alley. So Paul, you know, we, we are people who are on record as to really having enjoyed, uh, Jeff Johns's Geiger, um, stories. Full disclosure. I don't know that I ever finished the first Geiger series. Oh, really? I feel like I, I feel like I need to go back and revisit it. I don't think I ever actually finished reading it because oh. we stopped talking about it for some reason on the podcast or whatever. Um, and I liked what I read, but it, you mm-hmm. know, all, uh, full, you know, but also I don't know that I loved Geiger uh, upon its initial release. I thought it was fine. Gary mm-hmm. Frank, you know, being the artist, does no wrong in my eyes. I love mm-hmm. Gary Frank, one of my favorite modern comic writers, but um, artists. Artist, excuse me, comic yeah. artist. But yeah, but the, the story, I was like, okay, well, I mean, it's good, but it wasn't as as pivotal, uh, you know, or vital reading as a like Junkyard Joe, same creative team, and Junkyard Joe was just like the first book I read every month it came out. Right. Um. But you know, I, I so I need to revisit it. But this, 
whether you've read the original Geiger or not, this is kind of an origin story of, of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Aaron, t- tell me what, what you what you thought of 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 Geiger. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, you know, like to your point, it's kind of the secret origin of Geiger. And but I'll tell you, um, you know, for someone who read the entirety of uh, the first story, um, there's nothing here that's particularly surprising. Um, yeah, because we knew a lot of this, uh, but it was nice as a refresher. And it was I, I enjoyed some of the additional embedding of like the junkyard Joe elements of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like seeing it from the point of view from another character. Um, I do think that Gary Franks is just doing some, you know, fantastic work in this space. Uh, I do enjoy the Jeff Johns storytelling. I wish Jeff Johns wrote more, you know. Uh, comics these days because uh, I, I think that he just has such a he has such a command of the medium you know he does well, and I mean, he, he seems to really be investing his time in this ghost machine so yeah and this is you know I really see this not a not a revelation for Geiger but really a gateway for new readers into ghost machine Agreed. given that you know we're having a, a large 2024 launch of those stories um, so that, that's what that's what I see here. But I mean, you you just can't ask for a better uh, team up than Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Uh, they are just you know two comic professionals who are you just just are in ultimate command of their abilities and the medium and everything they're going to turn out is is going to really be worth your time. The only creative team that I can think of that's on par. With Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Now, Jeff Johns is probably my favorite comic writer, period. Uh-huh. Um, Gary Frank amongst my favorite artists. But the only other artist that I would want to see Jeff Johns, you know, if that would put I would put on that same pedestal is Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Jason Fabok is part of Toast Machine yeah. as well. And they're and him and Jeff Johns are doing a sci-fi book called Rook. I, I, would, I would say my other than Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, I would love to see more from Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey. Well, hey, uh, Pete Tomasi is part of Ghost Machine also. Yeah. He's writing, yeah. I think he's writing The Rocketfellers with Francis yeah. Manupol. I believe that's the case. Um, uh, it's a good book. I, yeah. you know, I particularly if you're, I don't think it's, it's must read material. Uh, for Ghost Only if you haven't read the original Geiger. Though. That's my point, is that yeah. if you've not read the original Geiger, I would recommend picking this up so that you kind of have that corner of the Ghost Machine universe uh, colored out for you. Now, the only thing I will say is, you know, they are so November and December are Geiger Ground Zero issues one and two. Then in January, uh-huh. we get Ghost Machine number one, which is kind of the start of this universe features previews of Geiger. Redcoat, Rook, The Rocketfellers, and some of these other books. Mm-hmm. Then in April, they're launching new series, Geiger, Redcoat, by Jeff Johns and Brian Hitch, Rook. Um, but my thing about Geiger is I don't think of Gary Frank as a monthly comic book artist. Yeah. So I'm wondering, will it be monthly? Are they going to do a series of miniseries with breaks in, in between? Or you know, I'm, I'm very curious um, what the, the plan is for keeping these books timely because – Brian, I will say Brian Hitch has started to do well with with getting a monthly turnaround time yeah. on, on his books. But Fabok and, and Frank are not necessarily known. I mean, that's why we had all those delays with Doomsday Clock right. and the three Jokers. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see what uh, what will come of, of, you know, what what they mean by ongoing in these um, stories. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm on board 100 percent. Well, I. In any other week that the Deviant uh, didn't come out, Alien Number One would have been my book of the week. Uh, I really <laughs> the Deviant. Yeah, the Deviant. <laughs> it's going to be a thing, Paul. It's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, Alien Number One really was a fantastic book, in my opinion. Uh, but I discovered, you know, when I when I opened up Alien Number One, I'm like, did I finish reading the previous Alien series? Oh, and not? I didn't. I hadn't I hadn't read the last issue. And huh. so so I went back and I read the last issue. And of course, the last issue uh, was almost completely nonverbal. There is almost mm. no text in that story because it's all watching what the monsters are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I finished that, came back and read this. And God dang, I like this book. 
and it's, I like it's very that, much a it's a, it's a different artist, same mm-hmm. writer, and very much a sequel to that original series. So I recommend yeah. picking up that if original series before Absolutely. you pick this one up because you you get to understand our main character, our mm-hmm. main protagonist Cole, uh, because kind of her origin story is in that first uh, first volume's uh, storyline. Uh, and I mean, terrible things happen in that first volume because, you know, it's an alien story. But uh, I, I really dug this. And there is a wonderful scene uh, that we see in flashback where the um, what do they call it? Synths are digging mm-hmm. out a hole and yeah. they, they find an egg. And of course, you know, uh, the alien egg opens up and the the face hugger is just sitting there and it's not moving because it can sense that these are synths, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the synths are going, hey, boss, you got to come here and take a look at this. And so they they call the, hum- the one human down. And, of course, you know, he gets the face hugger. I just I thought that was such a great scene. Well, and one of the things I liked about this that you don't get as much in the movies is mm-hmm. – the different way in which people treat the synths. Right. Right. You know, I mean, there were synths in at least the first three movies, in most of the movies. Right. Um, that, you know, they, they had the, the establishment of, of these synthetic human beings, but I don't know, like the interaction here was different than anything I've seen yeah. in the movie. Like they like, yeah. there is one guy who straight up, like, like some of them basically die on an excavation and dude's like, okay, well, no worries. Let's go to, let's keep going. Yeah. You know, like, well, um, and the the scents are like, but our friend, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and he's like, not my problem. And we do get a scene. Uh, it's kind of like the Bechtel test, right? Uh, you get a scene where the scents are talking amongst themselves, you know, uh, and you know, kind of sharing, you know, scent issues uh, because there aren't any humans around other than the the human that's on the operating table because you know it's a physician synth versus mining synth. Yeah. Um. And I I just I really appreciated that you know getting to getting to see that little bit of context and you know further coloring out this universe. Uh. I I I think Declan Shelby, who's the writer on this book, uh, really has a good handle on the alien uh, uh, setting. Uh. You know. I have I've read a lot of alien comics, particularly back when it was, you know, there at Dark Horse. And sometimes you I get a little fed up with the Wayland Yutani, you know, hijinks yeah. and whatnot. But I feel like he's really got it placed well here. And there's actually a through story. You know, if you're if you're following along, you know, the the elements from the last series really inform this one. Um I, I'm, I'm just getting I'm getting a kick out of it. I know we're only one issue in, but boy, I liked this a whole lot, Paul. I did, too. You know, and the, the Declan Shalvey, who, who is also who is just a fantastic artist, uh-huh. is really doing a great job getting the feel uh-huh. of this book. Right. And I, you know, I these 20th Century Fox I, books from Marvel, I didn't finish Planet of the Apes. Um, I think I only read the first issue, mm-hmm. but the Predator and the Alien ones are doing I mean, they're doing stuff that's just as good as what Dark Horse did on its best day with these properties. So I'm really excited. And I'm glad that they are doing, you know, kind of to my question about, you know, Geiger, they're doing miniseries that are still interconnected. So it's almost like an ongoing plot line or a series of movies. Yeah. But you can pick them up four to six issues at a time. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I really, I, I really stuff. highly recommend it. And like I said, any other week where the Deviant didn't come out, uh, this would have been my, my number one book of the week, which is really saying something when it is a licensed property. Uh, just really stunning, yeah. stunning work here. But hey, Paul. Yes, sir. This week is Thanksgiving. It is. What are they going to do to us on New Comic Book Day this week? Well, we're actually going to get a decent amount of new releases. We're going to get huh. new issues of Nightwing and Superman and Titans and Justice Society of America, speaking of Jeff Johns, huh. um, and Wonder Woman from Tom King, uh, the third issue of that. Been enjoying that arc so far. Um, and also the second issue of Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong oh, from DC Comics. Cannot wait for that. The first issue from Jason Aaron and Doug Mankey's um, Batman Offworld miniseries. So this is Jason Aaron's, you know, first Batman book. They've brought him over to DC Comics, and he's doing this like Batman science fiction, you know, uh, storytelling. And so I'm, I, and I love Doug Mankey, uh, yeah. so I'm looking forward to that book. 
that's all from DC Comics. From Marvel, we get a, uh, you know, Marvel's been really doing great work with some of these books that are um, done by some of the artists and writers that we grew up with, like Ron Mars doing the Silver Surfer and Warlock books. And yeah. they recently had a Ghost Rider book as well. Well, they are doing a Forest miniseries from D.G. Chichester. Oh. Um, Daredevil, Black Armor. And it features a tale of when Daredevil was in the black armor. Huh. Um, and I, you know, that, that is a time period in which I was reading that book. Yeah. So yeah. I will, uh, I will probably check that out. I'll, I'll, I'll investigate what the first issue looks like. Well, be sure to hit the you know, d- digital comic spaces or go to, go to your brick and mortar, uh, comic book shop so that you can load up on comics. So you don't actually have to talk to your family this weekend. Exactly. So, but Hey, we want to know how you're avoiding your family. Uh, <laughs> give us a shout at, uh, ideology of madness at gmail.com. If we use your comment, uh, in a future show, you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and X. Well, what a deal. Well, hey, Paul, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. You and, too. Uh, I, I plan to eat lots of the turkey, and uh, I am um, already planning on which pants I'm going to wear. You know, something you got to get your stretchy pants out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Talk everybody. Talk to you next time. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.